It is six minutes after eight o'clock here on AM 550 FM 99.9 and in Wausau 95.1 FM WSAU. I am WSAU News Director Mike Leishner. Is, uh, for those of you who listen to the station on a regular basis, uh, no, particularly the in the mornings. Uh, staffing has been, uh, the fruit basket has been upset, uh, to put it nicely. So uh, here we are. For another edition of Making Financial Sense, uh, we do not have Merle in studio today, though we do have uh, Alan here in studio. Welcome, welcome to the show. Nice to meet you from a safe distance, of course. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, we will keep our uh, social distance this morning. We'll keep the plexiglass in place. We will yes. wipe things down. We're going to be safe for everybody out there in Radio Land. Yeah, uh, at least for the next hour. At least for the next hour or so. I mean, if we would really wanted to be safe, I could put you uh, over there on the other <laughs> side of the uh, of the on the other side of the glass, which actually. Uh, probably not as crazy an idea as it sounds, but uh, I digress. So what we are talking about today here on Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch. For those of you who normally listen to the show, Merle, we usually talk about uh, how the markets are reacting to things, what that can mean for your retirement, uh, how, how best to you know in, grow your money through investments in different channels. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about something a little different. Uh, is that correct? Yeah. You know, uh, Mike, what we usually do is uh, we, we go through what are the, the basics of estate planning? What are the reasons that a person might do that? Uh, and really, you know, what are the, just the, what are the motivations for you? And really what we did is, you know, we started last week kind of doing the, the two-part deer hunting special with Merle, uh, Chase, and Bambi out in the Northwoods at some undisclosed deer haven, mm-hmm. uh, we're told. Very, very undisclosed, very yeah, secret. Uh, very, very carefully uh, selected and uh, plotted. But uh, so what it's allowed us to do is for, you know, we, last week we talked a lot about the, the basics of the estate planning side of things. We talked a lot about tax. So if anybody has any follow-up questions about that, I think it's uh, 715-845-2155, the... Uh, uh, we'll be here, and you know all topics uh, accepted, no, nothing off limits. But what we really did is last week we ended and and said we're going to carry over with uh, as we get through. You know we talk about the tax, we get a lot of questions about the tax, people are concerned about the tax, and the reality is there really isn't a whole lot uh, to be concerned about unless. Uh, one of a couple things happens. One is, Mike, if your estate—I don't know what the the you know the Leishner family estate is is looking like well, these it, days. For, for, but for mine, I, I for me personally, I own about five hundred dollars worth of house right now. But uh, but you know, you're you're actually piquing my interest because my family's got close to a thousand acres of land in South Dakota. Wow! I know some of that at some point. A certain amount of that is going to transfer to me. I have no idea what it is. I have no idea how much it is. I'm not planning on it by any means to, to uh, you know, yeah. uh, as money that I'm going to have in the future. I'm not planning on that. But I do know that eventually this is something that will affect me at the ripe old age of 34. But I, I know a lot of other listeners are probably um, wondering many of the same things. Yeah, and I think, you know, really what that gets to is how much can transfer. So whether that's the person who owns the 1,000 acres or if it's the person who owns the IRA or the mutual fund or just the uh, $500 of home equity here in town, the really what it is is uh, the limits, the tax limits uh, right now are extremely high, the highest we've had. So what the state says and the federal government, and really through the IRS, says is that when you pass away, you can give a little more than $11.5 million of property before you have to pay a penny of estate tax. So you kind of let that number sink in a little bit, $11.5 million. There are not many people uh, in that category. Obviously, we can think of like famous people and some things like that, but, but realistically, it is just not for, for us. 
So you say if you're under $11.5 million, you don't have to worry about any estate tax. That number is scheduled to come down. In, a, in about five years, that is going to a sunset, they call it, and it will go back to its long-term limit of somewhere around $6 million. So the long-term number is, is $6 million, and as long as per person, if you are under that, we're not going to have to worry about any estate tax. So we're not as concerned about that. Sometimes what we do, though, is we say, well, everyone has to pay some taxes, clearly, mm-hmm. and the one that we see much more often is the income tax. So with an income tax, people say, well, this is estate planning. This is what happens when I die. You know, I don't have to worry about that. The income tax is something I deal with every every year. You know, that's my every April 15th, you know, kind of the, the millstone around my neck as I drag myself to the CPA, you know, probably on April 14th because I want to get a head start on <laughs> right. this. But you say, no, the, the income tax that we deal with every year, obviously, if you pass away, uh, uh, someone else is going to be filing those income tax returns for you. Uh, the biggest one in Wisconsin, this is Wisconsin only, so if we have our, uh, our over-the-border, if we have our national you know, podcast uh, yes. listeners here, uh, you know, feel free to go grab a cup of coffee right now. But for the Wisconsin listeners, it's really driven by the income tax, often of a surviving spouse. And what that means is if something happens that one spouse dies, we've mentioned it on the, on the show before, but if, if one spouse dies... In Wisconsin, you actually get to choose how much tax the surviving spouse pays, how much capital gains tax. You know, I'll give you an example. With the 1,000 acres, if you say, well, uh, if you sold it today uh, and uh, it was uh, $1,000 an acre that you sold it for, they would say, well, that's, uh, you know, that, that's a, a pretty significant dollar amount. Obviously, it might be spread out amongst, you know, multiple, multiple family members, mm-hmm. but but if you sold it for $1,000 an acre, uh, you have to pay tax on the difference between what you paid for it and what you sell it for now. It's called capital gains, and you have to pay capital gains tax on that. Say, okay, we understand. So, And oftentimes you'll hear people who say, well, wait, I bought it years ago, and, and we bought it for $100 an acre. You know, and not unusual. And, and you know, the, Mike, what happened back then, when everybody anybody bought land for $100 an acre— mm-hmm. Somewhere, that person's dad said, you're crazy for paying $100 an acre. You know, it's just the way <laughs> oh, it was. Oh, boy. If only <laughs> so, it were that cheap these days. <laughs> so these days, someone says, well, I'm going to sell it for $1,000 an acre. Well, you have capital gain, capital gain of 900 bucks for every acre that you sell. And on that, you have to pay capital gains tax. And depending on your tax bracket, it's probably somewhere between about 15% up maybe into the 23-ish percent range. So not the end of the world, but that's still a pretty healthy chunk mm-hmm. when you say you know 15 to 20-something percent is, is going to Uncle Sam. So in Wisconsin, when one spouse dies, you can choose. If the surviving spouse sells something, and obviously that's when the surviving spouses sell things. That's when you sell the hunting land. That's when you sell the cottage because it's no fun to go alone. It's when you sell the mutual funds because you need to turn it into an income stream. You know, when you sell that, uh, when the surviving spouse sells it, you get to choose. Does the surviving spouse pay? Now, multiple choice here. you got three choices. Should the surviving spouse pay all of the capital gains tax? Or should the surviving spouse pay half of the capital gains tax? Or should the surviving spouse pay none of the capital gains tax? You can take your pick, whichever one you want. And, of course, people say, uh... That seems pretty easy, but something tells me it's not that cut and Is dried. this a trick question, yeah. Mike? <laughs> you say, and, and people will do that. You know, there's a, there's a long pause, and people kind of turn their head a little bit sideways. They kind of squint a little bit at you, and they say, okay, what's the catch? Well, there isn't one. 
you know, Wisconsin says, uh, this goes back to a, a, an old Wisconsin law. We're going to be celebrating the 35th anniversary of this law on January 1st. So it was the Wisconsin Marital Property Act. January 1st of 86, they passed this. And it basically says, if you choose ahead of time, you get to pick which one you want. Well, obviously, I, you know, I've got, you know, 20-something years of uh, doing this, Mike, and I still have yet to meet the first person <laughs> who has any answer other than we'll pay no tax. Um, and you can do that. Wisconsin says if you're married, you get to do that ahead of time. But the way you do it ahead of time is you draft something called a marital property agreement. So the marital property agreement just lets you choose your income tax. Now, this is for married people, obviously. If you're single, you're single. Mm-hmm. That, that's, uh, you know, and obviously, someday we will all be single. Either we're single now or if you're married, you'll, you know, one of us will be widowed and those kinds of things. But, but for married people, so it's, it's just a free planning opportunity. Take advantage of it if you want. And what happens if you don't do this, if you don't draft one of those marital property agreements, a lot of times what happens is uh, married couples probably have assets in all three categories. So after you pass away, after one spouse passes away, the surviving spouse, spouse probably has some assets where they would pay all of the capital gains tax. They have some others over here where they'd pay no capital gains tax. And then probably the majority, they'd pay half of the capital gains tax. So it's not the end of the world. It's just you pay a little bit of extra tax. You know, it's a penny of uh, prevention's worth of dollar a cure, or maybe an ounce of prevention's a pound a cure, yeah. or whatever that saying is. Right. And you say, you do it ahead of time, and now we get to wipe out all of it? Oh, I like that. That's a pretty easy one. Uh, so the uh, for, for tax school, as long as your your assets are below $11.5 million, or long-term, if they're below $6 million, which obviously is, is the overwhelming majority of all of us, for the below $6 million, there's no estate tax. If you're married and you want to avoid the income tax, draft the marital property agreement. Pretty straightforward there. The other part of it, though, is if someone says, well, I'm not drafting a marital property agreement. Frankly, I'm really just not, I'm not needing to sell anything. A thousand acres is a great example. Mm-hmm. You know, what if whoever owns that, uh, you know, great, great granddaddy Leishner owns that, and uh, he says, well, I'm not selling it. I love it. Are you kidding me? that's the last thing I'm going to do. I'm going to keep it. Okay. So what happens is when that person who owns it passes away, they get what's called a step-up in basis. So the step-up in basis means that if he paid $100 an acre for it you know, years and years ago, and now it's worth $1,000 an acre when someone passes away, uh, that, that that cost basis or the cost of 100 which is what your tax is based on, it's the cost basis. There we go. Uh, that gets reset to the date of death value. We get a, a, a real appraisal, an official appraisal, and get a reset of the cost basis to $1,000 an acre. So now the person who inherits that could sell it the very next day for zero capital gains tax. And you go, wow, that's fantastic. Um, so it's it's one where you want to make sure you have good numbers and you do get appraisals when someone passes away. But when they pass away, they get to reset that capital gains tax. That works for just about everything other than things like your IRAs and annuities mm-hmm. of the world. But for land, for cottages, for mutual funds, all those things work. Uh, so there is a, a built-in advantage to keeping things and transferring them uh, when you pass away to get the step up in basis. So perhaps it's not quite so dire if we do a little bit of tax planning ahead of time. And that's exactly what you... And your associates and the people like you are here for. Yeah, absolutely. Because this, I mean, this is, you're you're doing a really great job of breaking this down and making it make sense for for somebody like me. Because we don't, I mean, I don't deal with the accounting side of things. I don't, I know how to do my taxes online. Mm -hmm. The internet knows how to do them. 
but you know for things like this and and planning like this uh, certainly something that takes uh, well i i would say more than a one hour uh one hour <laughs> per week radio show have to come back i guess mike yeah absolutely uh again he is alan with making financial sense uh you work with merle is that correct uh, yeah and, you Associates? Know, it's really uh the 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 is the legal side always should work with the financial side because of things like this is if you say well we have things in different categories we have assets in different categories we want to make sure that the financial side's covered that the that the tax is covered you know the accounting is covered usually the the CPA is the third leg on that three-legged stool and and you would you do you do want to make sure that all of your professionals talk to each other you know for us we, we insist mm-hmm. on it we are going to talk to your professionals because we want you to get the best result absolutely and how do they get a hold of you uh, outside of outside of the uh, one hour that we're gonna yeah. spend here <laughs> well yeah th- this is uh this is great the uh, but outside of this you know the easiest way probably by phone is uh, we have an office in the west side of Wausau, uh, just off the highway the the phone number is 715-843-5001 or the internet is probably an even easier way to make an introduction these days it is haugumlaw.com h o u g u m l a w haugumlaw.com all right we'll be back uh, more making financial sense with uh, with Merle Kelch Alan Haugum sitting in today i am Mike Leishner here on AM 550 FM 999 WSAU it is 8.21 on this Saturday morning. We are at uh, 38 degrees outside the WSAU studios. Actually on our way to a daytime high near 48, which is almost unheard of for November. But uh, add that to the list of almost unheard of things that uh, that we've been encountering here in 2020. So we are making financial sense with uh, Merle Kelch here on WSAU, WSAU.com. Alan Hogum sitting in for Merle Kelch. Nobody is in their proper place. We do have a call uh, on the line we're going to get to in just a bit. Uh, first, Alan, I think, do you have a disclaimer that you, that you need to uh, throw out there for, to, to make sure that we're covering all of our bases? You know, no, it's a little bit different in the uh, in the legal world. Really, okay. the, uh, the legal advice given today will be exactly worth what you pay for it. So... Uh, that'll be uh, no, we're kidding. Um, but it's it's one where no, we can uh, we can talk about any legal uh, uh, matter today. The only thing is, is uh, we are not creating any attorney-client relationships over the phone, even with the uh, even with the callers. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll have to do do that as a follow up on uh, Monday if someone wants more uh, detail. Yeah, information. absolutely. Again, the uh, the phone number is seven one five eight four five two one five five. We did have somebody that called in during the break. They're not there right now. If they'd like to call back, they are uh, more than welcome to. As we uh, we continue talking, we've been talking a little bit of uh, of estate planning and things like that. What is going to happen to uh, all these all these things that you you've invested in all these things that you've accumulated uh, over the years of course I mentioned I've mentioned on this show before with uh, with Merle I recently purchased a house uh, here in Wausau I've got three mortgage payments in one more is queued up uh, next week after after payday so it's not that I own a whole lot but that is still something that I've got to start thinking about protecting even if as I joked I only own a couple hundred dollars. Uh, or worth a house. That's going to change over time. Well, you know, and uh, Mike, the one thing is uh, we'll talk to people, especially during their earning years, and we'll say, well, what you own now, this is the least amount you are ever going to own for the rest of your lifetime. And they kind of joke and they laugh and say, what do you mean? Well, 
everything you have is going to increase. You know, you're going to be putting money into the retirement account for during your working life, your 401k plan. You're going to be gaining home equity. You won't have $500 worth of home equity ever again for the rest of your life because it's going to grow and grow and grow. It will always grow. And someday you'll pass away and you'll have, you know, it'll never go back to this. So it is one where you think about where you are now and, and just where you are going to be. And then in retirement, obviously, at some point we retire and we turn some of this into a monthly income stream, the monthly budget. That's when, uh, you know, you take the uh, the the Leishner family cruises and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, monthly, maybe, whatever you like, <laughs> you know, head to Hawaii once in a, once in a while and, and just enjoy it. So, so there is a, a kind of a peaking point, but we don't find that people spend their life savings down to zero, you know, that, that there is something there. I'll give you one example. We got a question in the office this week uh, about someone wanted to, uh, uh, they, they didn't want to call in. They were a little bit shy about calling in and, and talking on the radio. Um, so they, they kind of posed it to us, and I said, well, how about we just kind of take that to the radio show, because I think this would really help others. And, and really what it was is they said, uh, how do I motivate or how do I convince my elderly parents to pursue estate planning? That their, their parents, now this is, these are our folks who I think are, are oh, probably in the you know, last 10 years of their working career. I think they're in their 50s, and, and they're kind of looking at their retirement and their estate planning, but they have parents that are older. I think they have parents that are, are closer to 80 and they said, how do I motivate them to do some estate planning? Um, and he described them as they are cash-in-the-mattress kind of thinkers. Okay. That was the phrase. Uh, and just kind of said, hey, look, it's it's. Uh, I just don't want to think about this. Because when I think about estate planning, it you think about dying. Mm -hmm. You said, oh, this means, you know, are we going to die? And... Uh, I hate to break it to anyone uh, on the on the radio uh, listening in today, but we're all going to die at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, at least that's what the science tells us. So it's really more about how do you want to transfer things when that happens. It doesn't doing estate planning doesn't bring you any closer to it. I think it might even prolong your life because you have this worry that's not hanging over your head anymore, and you say, no, 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 no. Um, I don't have to worry about that. It's covered. In fact, I'm really covered. And what it means by that is. When you when you pass away, everything you have is going to transfer somewhere somehow. It's going to go. Now, uh, I've never had anyone come in the office, Mike, in in like I said, twenty something years. Never had anyone come in the office and say, you know what, I'd like to do. I'd like to create an estate plan that's more cumbersome, more complicated, <laughs> more expensive, and I want to pay the government more fees and taxes. Can we figure out that plan? Never had it no, happen. I, that's weird. <laughs> no. People you know, consistently come in and say, can we make this less expensive, easier, faster, less of a burden and onerous on the people who are going to do it? And as, as long as we're uh, planning here, let's pay less in fees, less in taxes. Can we do that? And I say, yeah, we can do that. We can plan ahead of time. And really, that's what we do. So when people take a look at that, you say, well, what does that mean? Um, we talked about the tax a little bit. You know, we talked about the capital gains tax side of it uh, and really the income tax side. And if we do have someone who is, you know, uh, uh, ha has wealth that, that puts them beyond the estate tax limit, we can avoid that too. Um, but really what it, it comes down to is what are all the other costs? What is the, the, the manner that you're going to transfer things? Are you going to make this more difficult? Presumably the people who are going to receive things are people you like. Sometimes even people we love, you know, every <laughs> once in a while, the people are going to do the work uh, mm -hmm. after you pass away. Again, probably family members, probably people that we care about. We don't want to make things more difficult. So we'll start with that. So I think if you're talking to your elderly parents, you say, I say that's a good place to start. The other one probably piggybacks along with the calls we had last week talking about long-term care. We had some folks ask about long-term care insurance. 
and and we talked about uh, the cost of that, how we we love long-term care insurance as a law firm. The Haugam Law Firm uh, will stand up and say, if you can get long-term care insurance, get it. Uh, the reason is it's 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 very expensive for the coverage. So to get meaningful coverage, you can get some kind of coverage, but to get coverage that actually make a difference, uh, it, it it's it's the cost is um, is significant. So take a look at it. I think everybody should get a quote, even just to kind of ease that that you know peace of mind side of it to say, well, at least I know what it would cost, and I guess that's. You know, that's out, you know. I don't know how much a Picasso would cost, but I'm guessing it's outside of the Haugam budget, yeah. you know. And uh, so I'm not really concerned about it anymore. That, that is that is now kind of down the highway. So same thing with long-term care insurance. I want to know how much it costs just to be assured that it, it wasn't something that, oh, I should have purchased that. But if it is indeed uh, more expensive to get meaningful coverage, then you say, well, can we protect uh, the assets that we have legally you know can we do the legal work to do that so for those folks that are are talking to your parents just say you know what one way or another everything you have is going somewhere uh somehow and and there's a couple different ways to do it there's probably two or three different ways to do it for everyone um at least and do you you do you want to do it the way that the government controls the government sets up the rules for it. I mean, there are there are probate rules, there are long-term care rules, there are tax rules, even little tax rules. You know, all of those are set up to benefit. Guess who, Mike? Like if the you government. Said, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the the government sets the rules. The legislators set the rules, and and they're going to say, well, we want the biggest piece of the pie. If you want to attempt to keep some of your stuff, go ahead and do it. You can do that, but it's going to be proactive on your part. You have to actually do something to keep your stuff, and that's fine with us. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, a little bit of the. Uh, if you talk to legislators, I don't, I don't know too many of them, but I've, I've talked to a couple. They are basically of the mindset that if you want to keep your stuff, go ahead and do it. We'll set it up for you. It's not automatic, though. The government isn't going to automatically say mm-hmm. you get to keep everything. You, d- you know, it just, it just isn't realistic. But there is a little bit of, uh, I don't know if it's compassion. I don't know if it's like this is the way the legislators sleep at night. You know, they say, well, hey, I mean, if you'd wanted to keep that stuff, if you had wanted to protect your assets, if you need long-term care or from the cost or the fees or the probate, I mean, you could have done it ahead of time. Mm -hmm. If you don't do it, then, you know, don't complain to us Don't Mm -hmm. because we gave you the opportunity, and if you just chose not to do it, that's fine. But if you chose not to do it, remember, now you're going to fall into the government style and that is going to be a little bit more expensive for the family. And that, you know, maybe opens up a whole new discussion that we can have here in the next half hour because some of those rules, you never know. We've got a, a regime change coming in Washington. Exactly. Some of these rules could be changing in the in the short or, or mid term over the next couple of years. He is Alan Hogan. We are making financial sense here on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU. And online at WSAU.com. We'll take a break for news. When we come back, we'll we'll maybe talk about that a little bit, plus your phone calls as well at 715-845-2155. It is 8.36 on a Saturday morning here on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU and online worldwide at WSAU.com. I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner. We've got uh, Alan Hogan in studio today for Making Financial Sense. And again, normally uh, when we're... We're talking with Merle. We're talking about stocks, bonds, markets, things like that. Occasionally, we're 
dipping into politics because of what goes on in Washington. I don't know if you've noticed recently, but what goes on in Washington or Madison can have a ripple effect into financial markets and things like that. And uh, Alan, uh, as you and I were just talking uh, just a little bit before the break and a little during the break as well, what goes on in Washington and in Madison has a big impact on on your uh, line of work as well, especially because now we're going into a transition of power. We assume it's going to be uh, a transition of power anyway between the Trump to uh, Biden administration. And that means some of these things that we've been talking about as far as estate planning, some of those uh, could be changed maybe slightly. Maybe uh, maybe the pendulum swings pretty big as well, especially when it comes to what the government takes when you're uh, talking about inheritance and estate planning. Yeah, I think you're right about that, Mike. You know, the uh, uh, it's one of the things that uh, there has been some chatter about would they uh, change some of the tax laws? Would they make those a little bit more difficult? I think the, now we will see what the Georgia Senate runoffs do on, I think, January 4th. Uh, but uh, absent that, uh, the I think the uh, uh, the overwhelming uh, kind of election uh, blue wave, if that that I guess did not necessarily materialize, looks like President Biden or, or President-elect Biden is going to be uh, uh, sworn in on the twentieth, uh, we believe. Um, but I guess we'll we'll see that too. The, the mm-hmm. what did you, how did you phrase that? The ex- possible transition of power the well, we're, expected we're, maybe we'll expected see. we're we're not going to completely open that can we'll, of worms we'll let uh, here. we'll let yes. 550 do that during the week yes, but we but will. if that does uh uh transfer there uh you know the democrats lost some seats in the house uh it does not appear that they will have a uh, uh the the larger um, majority in the senate although it's still possible that they would be the 50-50 with the vice president breaking the tie the so it is one where i think the I would probably foresee less change, you know, just because there are not enough votes to to really roll those things into there. But the the fringe changes, which we always see, I think is more of a concern. And some of that is even due to how they deal with the Medicare, Medicaid um, type things. Uh, you know, the uh, some of those those changes, though, know, they have not happened. Um, I'll give you an example in Wisconsin prior to 2009. What people used to do to protect the assets they have, and just kind of show you how this can change. Now, 2009, not exactly ancient history. Mm-mm. You know, it's 10, 11 years ago, um, but 2009, prior to that, people used to just give everything to their children. They would just say, well, we're going to put the house in the kids' names, we're going to put the farm in the kids' names, and the, the mutual funds, and the CDs, and the insurance, and, you know, everything. Just put everything in the kids' names. And as long as you were healthy for three full years, you were home free. Whatever, you know, this is for long-term care purposes. If you gave things to kids and you were healthy for three years, you're home free. Um, well, that was so easy to understand. You know, if you gave everything to the kids, and then let's say you didn't make it three years, whether it's a single person or it's a married couple, you know, and, and, and something happened to one spouse or the other, even in the married couple, you got to two and a half years. The state said, well, wait a minute, you still have six more months before you get to this magic three-year date. But once you get to three years, Whatever you gave to the kids is home free. You got to pay in cash. Whatever we send you an invoice for, you got to pay it for those six months. But still, once you get to three years, we're fine. It was pretty easy to understand this. Put everything in the kids' names. Just put a date on the calendar three years out, and we just step this month by month. You know, the next thirty-six months, we just march toward it. That was so easy to understand, Mike, that the state said we better change it. <laughs> of, course. of course. So you know, you can't have rules that people understand. So what they did is they. They now, as of January 1st of 09, they have uh, what's called a five-year rule. 
or at least I would say it gets advertised as a five-year-old, gets marketed as a five-year-old. And people would say in, in the beginning, they'd say, well, it used to be three years, now it's five years. That feels like a longer period of time. Is it still legal to give things to kids? And the answer is it's still legal to give things to kids. The difference is if you do that now, you have to be healthy the full five years. If a married couple does that now, then both spouses have to be healthy for five years. Or I'd say healthy enough to not need long-term care, the assisted living, nursing home care types. Um, where Think of, for the most part, it's not exactly how it works, but for the most part, it's not needing care outside the home. So you say, okay, well, you know, I don't have a crystal ball on this side of mm-hmm. the uh, of the social distance plexiglass, Mike, no. but uh, I don't know if you have one. But I don't, know, I don't know if I'm going to be healthy for five weeks or five days or five months. I don't know if anyone's going to be healthy for five years. Like, we can't. That's a long time to predict, especially if you're married. Now we have to say both must be healthy for five years. Um, so what if we're not? What if we hope that we're going to give things away and uh, and we don't make it to five years? We get to, you know, three years or four years or four and a half. You know, pick whatever date you want, but you get to that period of time. And then something happens that that you do need long-term care of some kind. Or if you're married, one spouse or the other needs long-term care or nursing home care of some kind. Now the state says there is a, because you did not get to the end of that five years, we're going to start it all over again. So and have a brand new five-year penalty period going forward. And you say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Are you trying to tell me we traded in a three-year rule for for two five-year rules? Is that what this is? It's five years looking back plus five more years going forward? And the state says, of course, yes, that is exactly what we're telling you. Um, so it becomes very severe. Um, a few years, you know, or I would say maybe after 09, uh, they actually uh, took just took the entire cap off of the penalty period. So it's essentially an unlimited penalty period. You know, and you think about that with, with serious things, like you talked about, you know, big blocks of land and, and, and farms and things like that. Machinery, which is not cheap Oh, either. all of that stuff. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's just, take a look at the cost of one tractor these days. It's it, unbelievable. Yeah, um, <laughs> nothing I could ever afford. Yeah, it, and you kind of take a look at that, and they say, so we're going to look at everything you've done in the last five years, and then the penalty period going forward can be five years or 10 years or 15 years or forever, um, so what the rule is, is the state says, if you don't do any planning, that uh, that the, the state has a right to all of those assets during your lifetime. They even have a right to jump ahead of the beneficiaries in your will or the beneficiaries on your life insurance or your mutual funds or your bank accounts, even after you die. And you say, really? <laughs> this seems crazy. And it, that can't be the rule. Uh, well, that's the rule. Since January of 2009, uh, that's mm-hmm. what they have said. Um, and the only thing worse is if you give a house to kids, that that uh, uh, penalty essentially has even done away with the, the five-year rule and says now um, they will have a permanent right to a, a pretty significant percentage of your house if you try to give a house to kids and you stay living there. They call it a life estate. So uh, the end result of this is anyone who actually takes a look at this and does the numbers says, well, we, we're not going to just give things to kids because we have this essentially unlimited penalty period where no matter how much we gave to kids, the state in one way or another is going to put pressure on them to get it back. Mm -hmm. So you say, all right, what do you do? What's the legal way you can deal with this? And how can we plan ahead of time to protect it? If protecting it's a goal. Again, we just make a list of the goals. And if that's one of them, uh, then we want to make sure we can protect things. Mm -hmm. And and again, this is what you're here for. That's what you're 
the service that you can provide to the community because there's a, a lot of things in there where you would think, okay, this is going to be cut and dried. You know, I'm going to give this exactly. to the kids. They'll maybe pay a little tax on it, uh, inheritance tax of 20% or whatever, but in the long term, it'll still be better for them because then they will have this asset. They will have this value from here on out. It'll stay in the family. What I'm hearing here is it's not that easy, especially if you don't plan ahead. Well, you're right about that tax too, because especially with uh, you know the cottages and the hunting land and the mutual funds and those kinds of things, uh, if you give that to kids, even the house, uh, you end up moving the kids into this 20% capital gains tax or whatever that exact number is for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and people would say, well, all right, I guess we're gonna we're moving them into an area where they're going to have to pay a 20% capital gains tax, but at least we could protect it. At least we could protect it. Uh, well, now we're finding out, no, when you do that, not only can you not protect it, but you, know, you have to pay the tax, this capital gains tax. You're in, in capital gains tax world now. Plus, you cannot protect it. Well, this is a double whammy. You know, this is the mm-hmm. the worst of both worlds. So it is one where we just have to do some planning ahead of time, and and that's really the um, the choice. So when when someone says, "How do I motivate my elderly parents to pursue estate planning?" Just say, "Do you want to pay more tax or less tax or no tax? Do you want to have it protected or not protected?" Because if you don't do anything, you get the worst end of every one of those questions. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, that's I'm not saying that there's a 20 percent tax on anything there. I'm just throwing that number Correct. out. And, well, that's what. It, yeah, know, I mean that's and, that's but the 15 yeah. to 23. 15 to yeah. 23. Yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever percent tax is. Yeah, it, it, becomes, it is. It's yeah. significant. Yeah, absolutely. He is Alan Hogan. We are making financial sense here on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU. We may still have time for one more phone call. If you uh, if you have any questions of something that we've said here. Has perked your interest? Give us a call, 715-845-2155. We'll be back with more after this. It is 848 on this Saturday morning. We are making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Merle is out again. He is at an undisclosed location looking to secure some venison for the next year or so. Just trying to feed the family, I'm Just, sure. Just yeah, fill the freezer, Trying feed to feed the family. The family. Yeah. Um, he may share some chislic with us later. Who knows? We'll find out. Uh, but for now, we've got Alan Hogan in studio, and we do have a caller on the line that we wanted to get to uh, out of the break here. Good uh, good morning. You're on WSAU making financial sense uh, with uh, with Alan Hogan. Yes, I had a couple questions. Uh, with a trust in place and the uh, ability to move those assets to the trust, and also uh, federal income tax rules have a limit, but how does that differ from the state taxes you were talking about in uh, before there? Well, I think really what that is, uh, is there's a little bit of um, uh, oh, kind of where those ideas merge. You know, you think about it, the gears coming together, or kind of two sides of a deck of cards getting shuffled. You have to do a, a little bit first, second, third. Um, but what we want to do is make sure, ideally, that it would be tax neutral. Um, there are all kinds of, you know, and there's lots of exotic trusts. And if you're over the $6 million or, you know, all those kinds of things that uh, that, that you may do, but... I think what we want to do and the things that we would talk about is, again, it goes back to, I don't know if you were listening at the beginning of the show, when people would say, you know, no one ever comes in and says, I want to pay more tax. So usually a baseline is I want to pay less tax. At the very least, I, I want to pay the same amount of tax. I never want to pay more for the privilege of, of doing something like this. So I think you always start with that. And then secondly, can I get a different benefit, you know, from moving things to this trust. I think you said if there's a trust in place and you move assets to the trust, um, how does that affect the tax? For us, 
uh, what we want to do is make sure that it doesn't it does not negatively impact the tax at all. Uh, that that's that's usually the baseline goal. And again, unless there's some different exotic you know goal that you have in mind, you know this is where if someone says, hey, we've got uh, we are over the six million and those kinds of things. Now that's a different story, and and that's probably a different uh, uh, radio show, maybe a different meeting. But for the most of us, we say, I want to protect things. You know, I want to protect things from long-term care that I don't want the state rule or the state regulation to say that the nursing home can drain everything I have down to just about zero. Um, I want to protect it. Can I protect it and also still be the person in charge of it? Yeah, you can. And then if someone says, yeah, but I don't want to pay any more tax, can I accomplish that too? And you can. Now, again, it takes a little bit of work ahead of time, but I think your, you know, your question hits the nail on the head in that if I've got this trust and I want to move assets to it and presumably moving assets to it for, for reasons of protecting things, can we also avoid both the income tax and the estate tax and make all of those neutral? Um, and you can. So even to the point of saving a couple dollars in tax if you do it right. So, no, it's a good point. And that's one of what you always, you know, and, and you and Mike, um, one of the things mm-hmm. we do when people come in the office and, and different places do this differently and there are lots of great estate planning options, you know, just find someone who understands this stuff, find someone you're comfortable talking to, but, but a lot of great people do this. Uh, and it's, it, it really starts with what we do is just start with a list of goals. You know, what are your goals? And there are some people who say, I am just concerned about the tax. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm worried about this estate tax someday. Okay. Then that's what we're going to focus on. Other people say, no. I want to uh, avoid probate. I just don't want to go through probate. That I did it, you know, with some family member of mine, or I heard about it, or I've read about it, or a friend of mine in the coffee group has gone through probate. It's just a mess. I just want to avoid it. Can we avoid it? I say, yeah, absolutely, we can avoid it as long as we plan ahead, as long as we know. So we mm-hmm. write that down on the list of goals. For some people, they just want to give things to their kids. So if one of the kids gets divorced after they've died. Well, they don't. The, the the child doesn't lose half the inheritance. You know, you talk about land and things like that, mm-hmm. particularly money. Certainly, land sometimes even more so. Uh, and just say, I want to give this to my child. Hopefully, my child never gets divorced. But if they did, I don't want them to lose the inheritance. I don't want half of my life savings going to some ex-daughter-in-law or ex-son-in-law who was uh, just looking to uh, to move the money out of the family. Can we protect that? And I go, yeah, we can protect that, absolutely. As long as I know that, then we'll do that. We'll add that to the list. And they say, oh, good. It's kind of a surprise in some cases. Um, other times, you know, it's just, it's just the protecting it in general. It is the, someday we will all be concerned with uh, the long-term care. Now, that's not my biggest concern. I, I'm not worried about long-term care personally in the next couple of years for myself. Mike, you look fairly healthy. I think you, uh, mm-hmm. we're not worried about that for you either. Not not um, for a while. The uh, uh, but eventually we all get there. You know, I always say I I hope I live long enough to be worried about the next five years if I will need long-term care. So part of what we talk about is when do you do these things? So Mike, when you even get back to you know kind of circle back to um, mm-hmm. the. Uh, the, the, the change in administration, will that change things? You know, that is probably our concern that they will make the rules about long-term care stricter. That is one of the few where they have, um, you know, in Wisconsin, we've made them significantly stricter as of 2009. There are some changes again in the 2012-2013 region, uh, and then there was one very significant change in 2014. So that really um, doesn't make sense to give your house to kids anymore since 2014. 
Um, we haven't had a major one since then, so I'd say that is the one thing that is maybe overdue that we would not be surprised if Wisconsin uh, uh, threw some regulations at us and, and updated it. But um, that's that's what the planning is for. That's really just why would we create a trust? Why would we put assets to it for those kinds of purposes if that's a goal? Yeah, and so what you want your assets to uh, be actually a cash flow for that long-term care if you could? So that you're not ev- not eroding your assets, but you're using assets that have uh, or paying dividends or rent or whatever to to uh, cover the cost of that long-term care. Yeah, there are ways to do it. That uh, it, there's definitely an ordering process where you can save money depending on which assets uh, are being used for that. Sometimes there's you know with especially with medical cost when that's a long-term care cost. Is there a way that you can match up some of the income with some of the medical cost and uh, something that might have been taxable? Now you can get a deduction for. Now there's some there's some kind of baseline uh, uh, floors and things. You know, not the first dollar, but boy, if you have some of those bigger costs, um, now you can make them tax free. And you say, really? You know, and there are different ways you can do it. Where if I said, um, all right, so your long term care, uh, your long term care cost. You know, the state average is. Uh, uh, about eighty-seven hundred dollars a month, a little more. So, so you you have a couple things added to that, or you know, a couple of Tylenol, and all of a sudden you have a nine thousand dollar bill, probably mm-hmm. on average in Wisconsin. Realistic, it's probably even more than that, but let's just use that. Um, if you said, I would like to pay, um, for my long-term care, I would say, do you want to pay? Uh, again, multiple choice. We're very easy on the questions today, Mike. Multiple <laughs> choice for all these. Right. Um, do you want to pay nine thousand dollars a month, or do you want to pay uh, four thousand dollars a month? Um. And you say, you can do that? Yeah, for the same care. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, okay, now do you want to pay $9,000 a month of just after-tax money? So you got to pay tax on your money, whatever's left after the tax, 9000 a month. Or do you want to pay $4,000 a month with possibly pre-tax money? Can you do that? And, and don't quote me on the 4000 It might be 3800 It might be 4150 you know, whatever it is. But, but it's somewhere in that range that we have seen in the past. Um, and that's all because of the planning. So you're still paying for the care, the same care in the same room and the same everything. Um, and you say, really? Is that is that how it works? Um, so I'm still paying the facility. Well, why would the facility charge me nine if, <laughs> if they, you know, they're profitable at four? Um, well, that's a different discussion for a different show. <laughs> exactly. But, but those are the kinds of choices that we run into. And again, we pull out the list and say, what are your goals? Um, and, and do you want to make it easier for folks who come after you? Do you want to save them time and effort? Do you want to save tax or not? Is that a difference? Most people would say yes. And, and usually I mean, we just do it anyway. Um, you know, and do you want to protect things for long-term care, for the nursing home side of it? There are different ways you can do that. And, it's, uh, and, and it really is all about the planning. Did you, uh, you know, and, and it is yeah. kind of the, you know, you want to make sure, did you do the planning? Did you do it ahead of time? I don't imagine that anyone on their list of things on a day off says, "Hey, you know what? Let's go down and talk to the 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 law right. firm." Those are, <laughs> but we're not bad people. And uh, if you want a cup of coffee and a chocolate chip cookie during a non-COVID times, we bake the ch- we bake the cookies fresh every day, Mike. Seven fifty wow. every day, fresh okay. baked cookies in the office. And um, you know, and now we're adjusting for social distancing and things like that. Obviously, we don't want everyone to. Uh, um, to be at risk, but uh, but that's a little bit of it. And really, it's, if you do the planning ahead of time, you get to keep the stuff. So back to how do I motivate my elderly parents to pursue estate planning? That's really it. So well, the the coffee and the chocolate chip cookies would really do it for me. So uh, yeah, that's uh, absolutely um, 
we've talked about a lot of things here. Where there's a lot to digest. Uh, definitely needs a conversation more than one hour on the radio minus uh, minus breaks. So if people want to get in touch with you, you've sparked some interest somewhere. How do they do that? Well, probably the easiest. We talk about it, you know, our, our, our office uh, over on the west side uh, of Wausau, but the, the phone number is 715-843-5001, 843-5001, or haugumlaw.com on the internet, H-O-U-G-U-M-L-A-W, haugumlaw.com. And the one thing that I want people to take away from this show, if they got nothing else out of it, if there's a, there's a lot of Greek thrown in there to some people, is plan ahead. Because if you don't, the government is going to come in and you Impose have no idea. Rules. You have yeah. no idea what it is you're actually going to keep, if anything at all. Yeah, if that's your goal, just plan ahead. I think, Mike, that's a great way to sum it up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Alan, we appreciate the time here. Uh, I don't know if, when the next time is we'll get to chat, but I certainly uh, I certainly look forward to it in normal times. Have a great uh, season until then. Thanks, Mike.